0: back again to punks on the pitch podcast a show where uh brutal music meets the beautiful game um before we kind of delve into the meat and veg of this week's episode just kind of want to say a huge thank you to everyone that listened last week um we obviously did the wsl slash women's game special and it seemed to be really well received got a lot more listens we've had previously and we've only been doing this show for well not even 20 episodes yet so Huge thank you to everyone that checked that out. Um, but yeah, as always, we're not going to just hear my rambling voice talking football as always. i have got uh, another punk joining me. Uh, he's Cult Dreams, drummer and Leeds United fan, Connor Dawson. Connor, thank you very much for joining
1: me. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Thanks for having um, me.
0: <laughs> how are you? I guess like before we go into football, obviously everything with Cult Dreams, unfortunately, is kind of hit a bit of a pause button.
1: When it oh, yeah, seemed
0: like it was going to be a bit of a busy year for you guys. So where, where's yeah. kind of things at at the moment? Uh,
1: we had loads of stuff booked. We were meant to... Um, Luckily, we just finished our headline tour in the UK. Mm. Uh, that finished on the 28th of February. Um, and then we had... Originally, we had like two weeks off. And then we were doing a two-week European tour with Slow Crush. Um, and then we were going to come back from that, have about three weeks off, and then do a big... UK and EU tour with Ladisbue and Crush as well. Um, But yeah, that kind of all fell apart within like two or three days of us getting back from, uh, from the UK headline tour. So, uh, yeah, I came back, uh, went back to work for a week. Um, and then I think when we did the second to last show, uh, which was in London, uh, me and Lucinda were talking in the van about like how we were probably going to have to cancel the Italian shows that were on the Slow Crush tour. Yeah, um, They just brought a lockdown in there. Um, and then I was texting with my partner at the time and she was like, oh, there's no way that's going to happen. Like, it's going to be like a few days. It's going to be yeah. fine. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: It's so, it's so silly. And then we got back and we were, we were talking to Slow Crush and their agent and stuff. And they were like, yeah, the Italian shows are definitely not happening. It's looking like the Austrian ones and the German ones are also going to be cancelled as well um so we were down to like half a tour at this point and then like just more and more shows just kept getting cancelled and it got to the point where we had like four shows across two weeks yeah uh still still going ahead and we were like we just don't feel comfortable doing this and it's not it's not viable yeah yeah um like lucinda didn't want to fly over from the uk for us just to play four shows so uh we cancelled that one and then I think I was talking to my manager at work in the coffee shop where I work about it, um, about how like we were cancelling the the Slokerish tour, and as I was talking to her about it, we got the text from uh, Ladisbut's booking. Oh shit! And, uh, the Dispute one was being cancelled as well. So I think I literally said the words, "Yeah, yeah, I can go go ahead and cancel that time off time off I've got in uh in April." And I walked over to my phone and I was like, "Yeah, you might as well just cancel everything that <laughs> I've got booked <laughs> So it went from having, like, a solid six, eight weeks of touring and then loads of festivals in the summer to not. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but, like, have you guys been, like, been able to do much, like, in terms of kind
1: of writing or anything since? Or We've done we've done little bits, um, but we're not really, like, pushing ourselves to do anything. We've got, like, a couple of songs that we keep sending back and forth and a few ideas and stuff. And the plan is to record a new album yeah. at some point, but it's... Lucinda's just moved again, so it's uh, it's yeah, it's just up in the air at the moment a bit, and it's uh, like we wrote the the whole of the second album hmm. like apart. We were just WhatsApping like ideas across to each other, um, so it's, it's it's nothing new for us. Yeah, have yeah. Done it all before, but uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> Where's Lucinda it's moved to now then? Uh, she's moved back to Hull. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, they're just in the process of. Um, maybe buying a place in Leeds. Oh, cool. So, so, yeah, it's just just waiting for stuff to happen at the moment. Yeah. So. And
0: yeah. to sort of slowly transition into football, how I kind of always roll things off just before we do kick off. Is there anything that you've kind of been listening to recently that you've kind of really been digging?
1: <laughs> um, I've not really been listening to much music at the moment. Like, I just, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of walking. Um, just because it's better than sitting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I've been walking my dog loads and just like hammering loads of different podcasts. Nice. Um, uh, but yeah, like the, I've been listening to the new Svalbard album when that came out. That was incredible. Yeah. That's probably my favorite album of the year so far. Um, everything I've got written down is like completely different to each other. That's cool. So I've got the Svalbard album, but then I've also been listening to, um, this like, um, Country artist called Colter Wall. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of him before, so he brought a new album out called Western Swing and Waltzes and Other Musical Adventures or something like that. It's like a really long yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's incredible as well. So that's like, um, it's just like bar, like country music. Yeah, yeah. It's all like really loudly and it's really really good. Um, and the Winter Passing album that came out. Yeah, the album. It's great. It's an incredible album, and uh, one of my friends sent me um, a song the other day by a band called Underdark. Mm. Uh, they're like a black yeah, metal yeah, band. yeah. Uh, I know. Well, just,
0: you know, I kind of know Abby, their vocalist, like okay through internet friends, sort of thing.
1: Like right, okay.
0: Because I know they're very much into their wrestling, and that's how we kind of know okay, each right, other, yeah, so. yeah.
1: right, yeah. Yeah, that the cover they did of uh, a song by the Cure. Yeah, is incredible. It's so good. Yeah, really fucking cool. <laughs> I've started doing loads of running, and that that and the Svalbard album is just consistently just on all the time. That's cool.
0: <laughs> well, as mentioned, um, obviously you're a Leeds fan. We're uh, oh, yeah. back in the. Well, well, I was not gonna say no at me. the
1: moment. I'm so, I'm so used to saying unfortunately. <laughs> it's. Uh... But yeah, obviously back <laughs> back in yeah. the Premier League this year
0: doing. Quite well so far. Like, what's your kind yeah, of mm-hmm. impressions of the season so far?
1: Oh, it's it's weird being a Leeds fan, especially the last two or three seasons, well, two seasons really, and not being completely riddled with fear mm. and nervousness and doom yeah. from, <laughs> yeah. from 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 kickoff of the of the new season. It's really weird. Like, I'm used to like every defeat being like, oh, we're doing a Leeds again. Yeah, yeah. We're completely messing everything up and it's awful. Um, so it's really weird going into the season and being like, you know what? We're going to lose quite a lot of games probably. We're going to have a really good time. We're probably going to be like mid to lower table and I'd be really happy with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a free this season, I guess. Yeah. If- Just nice to be able to watch the Bielsa team play football <laughs> and not like, and actually be able to sit and watch it and enjoy it yeah. rather than <laughs> yeah. like, there were so many times last season where I was literally like, I found a really dodgy stream of it or something. And I was just sat there just like constantly like refreshing Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I follow some like Leeds United uh, journalists on there and they were usually like 30 seconds to a minute ahead. Yeah. And I was so just so anxious on the edge of my sofa, just like refreshing constantly that I wasn't actually watching the game. <laughs> uh, it's nice just to be able to have a nice, have a nice Yeah, day. And we've
0: mentioned on this, on this podcast before, but like the kind of revelation, well, but it might not be to, to you because obviously you've seen him a bit more, but like mm-hmm. in terms of like the Premier League, the Patrick Bamford has been like, he, yeah, right. he's been a player that like throughout his career has always been touted as this great hopes sort or of thing but never kind of lived up to his potential until now so are you surprised that he's finally filling those boots or or not
1: um yes massively. <laughs> <laughs> go back with the like the text messages and like facebook messages of me talking to other Leeds fans whilst the games are on it's like 99 percent just pure frustration at patrick bamford mm. like he's apart from this season, the single most frustrating player I think I've ever watched. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he goes, like, 10 games without scoring and then will score, like, for the next 10 games. He's, like, such a confidence-driven player. Mm. It's really weird. Like, he'll miss, like, tap-ins and, like, really simple goals and then score, like, like the, the the hat-trick against Villa, like, three worldies. Yeah, yeah. Like, three streaming goals. And you're like, but you couldn't, like head it from a yard out. Where was this, like, two weeks ago when we lost 2-0 or whatever? It's it's very weird. So he blows very hot and cold. Yeah.
0: And yeah. in terms of, like, so I've got a weird kind of affinity with with Leeds. In ter- not okay. like a, a love thing, but so, like, when I started, at, like, actively going to football when I was younger.
2: Yeah.
0: So, like, I'm a Portsmouth fan. And when yeah. I started going, we were in... Like division one which is obviously now the championship um and the first quote-unquote big team that i saw was when we played Leeds in the fa cup in 1999 right and uh-huh. this was like at a time when you had harry kuhl mark Verduca and all that sort of thing well, and yeah. that got we just got absolutely annihilated
1: like i think it was like
0: six <laughs> it was either five one or six one i can't remember exactly now right
1: Oh, you you did really well. Like we usually in the FA cup, or we did really well in the FA cup in those days, we went out to some bright banana skins. Like, I think like the, the, the start of our demise was like, uh, I think we lost three nil away to Cardiff. Um, and that was when they played at, what was their old stadium called? Was it Ninian Park? Yeah,
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, I think that was the night where like three of our players went out in Leeds after and got absolutely wasted and then got in a massive brawl. And then there was like a lawsuit, and then everybody in the team fell out. And then that was like the start of the the demise. So, like, yeah, if we actually managed to beat (laughs) beat a lower league team in that era, then uh, we did pretty well.
0: (laughs) But that was kind of like you touched on there. Like, they kind of had this weird reputation at the time. It was like almost kind of like what Wimbledon, like the crazy. Boy gang kind of had his like Leeds had yeah. like kind of this bad boy reputation sort of thing <laughs> so was that something that like I don't know when you were younger kind of drew you to them at all or was it just because obviously like you grew up in that area and, and things like that
1: yeah I think it was mainly because that's where I grew up like I but my first memory of watching football is watching England get beat in Euro 96 yeah uh, on Germany in penalties and I can't even remember when it was it must have been a few weeks after that um my next door neighbor um who must have been like four or five years older than me um was talking about football with one of his friends and he just asked me like oh what team do you support and like I was like six at the time so I was like I support England And he was like no you have to have like a club and I was like I don't know what that means uh and he was like well why don't you just support Leeds and I was like I didn't even know Leeds had a team (laughs) like none of my family were into football so uh yeah that's kind of how I how I got to support Leeds and it's really it's really lucky because my um, my grandma brought some wallpaper around. I was decorating my room at the time, and I had it like I was like uh, Dennis the Menace right. at the time. And I wanted something new, so we were like looking at like cool wallpaper for kids. Yeah. Uh, and my grandma brought around a manu, like what are they called like you know just the middle bit. So like you have like. The top and the bottom, which is painted, and then you have like a border. Like, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. And it was just like different manu players with like their signatures underneath it. Oh, yeah. And I, I think like yeah. someone of my friends had that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then in the end, luckily, I went with space, which was <laughs> really cool. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, it could have ended up. Jose, do- dodged the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But like, in terms
0: of kind of like, I guess the kind of punk crossover, like, obviously we've seen the sort of like the struggles that Leeds have kind of had as, over the years yep. and obviously they're now back in the in the big time so to say but like yeah. i guess that again that kind of they had this reputation of of being like grafters bit like shit houses and stuff like when i grew mm-hmm. up so like i don't know when yeah. you were kind of like discovering like music and sort of like the more alternative world did you kind of link that affinity with Leeds as well
1: I think I was maybe a little bit too young for that. Mm. So, like, I, I don't know. I always see that as being, like, the dirty leads. Yeah. Like, thing was, like, a hangover from, like, the 70s and the 80s when, like, Don Revie's team, they were, like, the best team in the country and they were, like, playing, like, ridiculous football. But they were also, like, really tough. Yeah. Like, you had, like, Billy Brennan and stuff who was just, like, kicking shit out of the players. <laughs> yeah. um, and, like, I just always see it as, like, a hangover from that. So like when I was a kid, like I never really saw Soros as, as that team. Mm. Um, I was just like, yeah, I really like these players. They're all really, really good. And then like by the time I got into f- uh, music when I was like 12, 13, it was kind of the time where I stopped stopped playing football on a Sunday for my for my team that I used to play for. Um, and then it took me like four or five years to really get back into football. Yeah. Um, I was just so immersed in music at the time that I just – Kind of lost all interest for football um and then i had like some operations because i've got crohn's disease mm. um and so i was off school and college for like six months i think um and that's when i i got back into football and that was the time when uh we were in league one and we had like minus 15 points yeah yeah so i remember like just after my operation i was like you yeah, know, i'm gonna see how Leeds are doing i've not been into football in ages and, like, I went on, like, the internet and I was, like, I knew we'd got relegated to the second division. Yeah. So, I just went on to the championship. I was, like, wait, we're not there. What's <laughs> happening? And then I clicked on Lee and I scrolled right down to the bottom and I was, like, what the fuck has happened here? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that was, it was probably a really good place to start from again because, like, the football was terrible but, like, you got to see them play at, like, Scunthorpe mm. and, like, Yule and places like that and I've got very fond memories from watching some of those games from then especially the players like there's some great players that we had Mm. from there.
0: And the other thing that I always kind of like to ask is sort of like how you kind of make personally like a crossover between sort of like the alternative world and and football. And for a lot of people, it seems to be the common answer is that kind of community aspects. But is there kind of any sort of like things specifically for yourself?
1: I guess it's pretty much the same for me. I really like like the sense of community. I just like being able to drink some beer and shout and <laughs> sing songs yeah. and be a bit rowdy. Uh, I really like like the just that aspect of just yeah, just going and having a nice time and shouting and doing some singing. Yeah, and yeah.
0: <laughs> and for as I say, like when I grew up, well, like was growing up, like I remember sort of like as I said, like the Harry Kules, the Mark Fadukas, mm-hmm. the Alan Smiths, even like, um, oh, fuck, I've completely forgotten his name now. <laughs> Lee Boga, that's, probably, there we go. Lee, yeah. I
1: was going to say, I can probably name the entire I was team. About about that, so.
0: I was about <laughs> to say Lee Bradbury, but I was like, no, he played for Pompey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like those kind of like rough players that kind of Leeds had, but like for yeah. for you, like whether past or present, is there kind of like a player that you think like embodies like the punk ethos for Leeds.
1: it's it's probably like a really really obvious answer but it's not a player okay it's Bielsa. yeah so it's i guess it's the really really obvious the obvious thing but like we've had so many bad managers <laughs> like yeah. we had dave hockey Day. dave hockey Day was literally a pe teacher mm. before like before he came to us and we had uh is it ua rosler yeah was, like, yeah in, like heavy metal football and like steve evans and Oh, it was just awful and then um, we hit like just yeah just the day that Bielsa came in I was just like I didn't really know too much about him before mm. um, and I just remember all these like rumors flying around on the internet like the savior of football and blah blah blah, and like the best football you'll ever see in your entire life I was like there is no way a manager with this like caliber is going to come to the second division yeah and, and like manage Leeds United and then it happened and I was like this is crazy. Like he can't actually be as good as like everybody says. And it's like, but he like, he managed athletic Bilbao and they like beat Manu in the Europa league and managed like Marseille and stuff. Um, and then like the preseason started when he came in and the first thing he did was like, he got all the players, um, to go around the training ground and pick litter up. (laughs) Brilliant. he he, He explained to them, like the working people of this town have to pay this much for the cheapest ticket. Like, you are in a ridiculously privileged yeah, position yeah. football. So this is how much work goes into people having to be able to afford a ticket for the game. Um, so you got all the players to go around and, like, pick litter up. Which, like, I think is a really good thing at championship level because there isn't really any, like, massive egos there. Mm. I don't know how well it would have worked at, like, Man City yeah, or Liverpool yeah. I can't really imagine, like, Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> going around, like, picking <laughs> yeah. a litter But, I mean, it worked really well. Like, we have a ridiculous, like, squad mentality now. Um, Like, it's just some of the stories that came out, like, just after he signed were ridiculous. Like, our owner and um, managing director went over to Buenos Aires Mm. to, like, meet him. And he'd personally watched every single minute of Leeds United from the last season. Oh, wow. And um, he's got a team of, like, disciples, in inverted commas, Um, which is just like people all over the world that are just dedicated to Marcelo Bielsa and like the way that he does everything and like they've just completely bought into it and he pays them uh, a salary. Um, So he he asked them to watch every single minute of every single game from the championship from the year before. And had like dossiers on every single team.
3: That's he was like,
1: this is how how I would line up to beat this team. This is how I would line up to beat this team. Like, I know, he didn't know any of the players' names, but he knew all the numbers.
3: Mm.
1: So he was like, "Um, I I guarantee you that I can make Calvin Phillips, Stuart Dallas, and Liam Cooper into the best players in the championship. And, like, Calvin Phillips was like, he'd come through our youth academy, Mm. and he'd kind of, he'd had about two or three seasons. And he wasn't like he wasn't like a fantastic player. He was okay. And he was like a good solid championship player, but like sometimes you would get like a four out of 10. Sometimes you'd get like a seven out of 10 out of him. And, um, he was always played as like a number 10 yeah. or just in central central midfield. Um, and he was like, I know that I can turn him into like a central, uh, into a defensive midfielder. Um, and it's the same with Liam Cooper. Like Liam Cooper had the nickname of league one, Liam, uh, <laughs> Because he had so many mistakes in him. Like, he was just not a solid defender at all. Um, And he's probably one of our best players now. Yeah. It's it's absolutely insane. Yeah.
0: No, I I think that's fair. Like, similar to you, I didn't know too much about him before he came to Leeds. But, like, when, obviously, the the rumours started floating around, like, you look at, like, his CV. And then, obviously, like, just the amount of respect he's got like in the game <laughs> itself it's just like yep. it's nuts to think like this <laughs> and I mean like this is no disrespect to Leeds because like they're one of the teams that obviously people will always equate to being a big team no matter what league they're in yeah so, yeah. so but like yeah the fact that like obviously this season alone when they played City like you've got Pep Guardiola being like no, he is the greatest manager of all time, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, this guy is a big fucking deal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I still can't believe that he came to like a second division club. Yeah. Like completely revolutionized the entire club within the space of weeks. Like we played two preseason friendlies, and I think we lost we lost against Geisley. Mm. Um and then we lost against Forest Green Rovers as well. Um and like, I think I watched the Forest Green Rovers on LUTV, which was just like a free, the free preseason thing they put up. Mm. I was watching it, and there was like, there was a load of youth players playing, obviously, because it's preseason. But there was a load of like, a load of players completely playing out of, like, formation and like playing out of their positions. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, it's crazy. Like, he's got this nickname of like El Loco. Yeah. As he just come in? He's like completely taking the piss or whatever. Um. And then the first game of the season was against Stoke. And we came out and just played this ridiculous football. And I was literally just like sat on my sofa, like just like, what am I watching here? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely crazy. Like we're literally passing this team who are a Premier League team. Like they got, they got relegated the year mm-hmm. before, but they had like England number one in net. They had like a team full of like, like half of the team have gone on to play in like the Champions League final and stuff from from that like time and like we completely just like played them off the park i think we had like 75% possession like 25 shots on goal and i was literally just sat there just like i do not understand <laughs> i've never like i've never seen league united play like this it's absolutely ridiculous yeah. wild
0: and i think it's like <laughs> funny as well just like his like touchline sort of like persona so to say like the fact he's just like yeah just like crouches and sits and like
1: like he's not no he's spring chicken bless him but like oh right he's like he's, he's late 60s yeah but he's i don't think i, could. I couldn't squat like that for 90 minutes <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, move.
0: and it's just like <laughs> it's almost like he's kind of just zoned in and just like completely yeah. focused and i think yeah, yeah. it's uh, like i like obviously, you've got the likes of like your Mourinho's, your Guardiola's, and stuff like that. in like mm-hmm. nowadays, but yeah I, I just love these like almost kind of renegade managers. Like like to to <laughs> yeah,
1: he's completely like El Loco is the perfect name. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like <laughs> to an extent, like Ian Holloway or someone like that, who just like mm-hmm. you can imagine. Like obviously, he doesn't speak barely any
1: English either. I think he speaks more than he lets on. Yeah. But, yeah. but like,
0: mm-hmm. you can just imagine him like in training, like as you say, like the whole El Loco thing, like you yeah. can imagine him just like giving like a strategy talk and then all of a sudden just being like, <laughs> go completely left field and like the English players are probably just stood there like, eh? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: but. Well, like it's, it's so weird because he's got the, he's got the like reputation as like El Loco, mm. like this crazy, crazy manager, but. Since he's been here, he's got, like, this completely other side, um, which, like, I think Calvin Phillips has described him as the cuddly grandad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, like, I don't think anybody fully realises, unless, like, you're a Leeds player or, like, maybe a Leeds fan where, like, you see, like, certain things. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, fans and players of other teams don't see that. Like, in his first season, Patrick Bamford had been out injured. Um, he'd been out for, like, six months. He, like, he injured his knee in the first week of uh, preseason, mm. uh, came back for, like, two games, and then injured his other knee. Um, and, like, the the physio said it was, like, he's seen better knees after car crashes. Yeah, yeah. A really, really serious injury. Um, and then he came back and started trading. Scored an absolute screamer. Uh, they posted it on the Legionality Twitter page. Um, and, like, all you see is, like, him just, like, stood there, like, with his arms open, and like the camera pans out and it just shows like Bielsa running from the side, from behind the other goal, like across the full pitch, which makes a beat Patrick Bamford, gives him a massive hug. That's so good. There <laughs> like, was all the videos from after we got promoted where like he, he was just in his apartment in Weatherby mm. um, for the game where West Brom lost. Um, but all the players had already gone to Ellen Road to watch it together. Um, so nobody knew that he was going to go down because he like distances himself quite a lot from the players, mm-hmm. um, and like he just turned up and like he was just stood at the corner of the room and like everyone just turns around and they're like yeah, happy Elton, <laughs> and like he's just like in really really broken English, uh, he just like points to Patrick Bamford, he's like Patrick, ah oh, the best, the best, <laughs> and then he just like goes to every single player and points at them um, and just calls them the best, yeah. and then Barry Douglas goes up to him. Um, and Barry Douglas speaks Spanish so he asks like if they get wednesday off training and Bielsa just turns around and goes wednesday off thursday off friday <laughs> off every day off <laughs> it's just really good it's just yeah he's he's such a character yeah. i love him so like he just he gives sweets to kids like when when they got off the team bus he just like has they just like walks down and hands them out yeah. it's just sort of, Lovely, lovely man. I love him so much.
0: <laughs> well, to to segue onto other characters, one of the <laughs> the biggest stories that's kind of been going on in the world of football at the moment is two of two Hollywood characters is, taking over Wrexham <laughs> AFC. This is Ryan Reynolds yeah. and um, Ron McElhenney now becoming co-owners of, of Wrexham, which is just. I think the best and most bizarre thing that's happened in 2020, I think.
1: It's, yeah, it's very 2020, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, like, yeah, just in terms of this, like, they've already kind of acted... like Because I think a lot of people, when it first started breaking, was sort of a bit like, is this real? Is this, like, just a publicity thing? But they yeah. they have already very much kind of put money where their mouth is and mm-hmm. have done the kind of comical video with the team sponsors and, and things like that. And I don't know, like, what what's your kind of view on this? Like, where do you think this is going to go?
1: It's so weird. Like, it's just completely bizarre. Like, I just can't believe it's happened. Like, when I used to go watch Geisley before I moved moved to Belgium, mm. um, they were in the same league as Wrexham. Yeah. So it was they were like a big club then. Um, and I know they have like a really big rivalry with Chester and stuff, but they're both fan owned yeah, so like it was always like they were always like two teams that were like they seemed really cool because like they'd they were they both used to be like quite big teams and then like had a lot of financial hardship and then were like saved by the fans, yeah, so like as a Leeds fan like. I can relate to that because Leeds have had so many awful owners yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) from like Ken Bates to like GFH who were literally didn't have a clue what they were doing. And like, if I was a Wrexham fan, I would be like thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. That we had like all this attention, but like, as a, as a fan of a club who has been through really, really bad owners, then like, I'm always really cautious. Of takeovers from especially people who aren't involved in football Mm. Um, like they literally have no experience or like like football for me is such a cultural and historical thing yeah like it's really difficult to make the wrong move and not even realize you're making the wrong move like if you don't understand the history and the cultural aspect of the club that you're taking over then it's like it's really difficult Mm. which is why I'm always really sceptical, sceptical, <laughs> sceptical, sceptical of uh, of players of, of owners coming in that don't really know anything about football. Yeah,
0: it'll be interesting to see like how because at the moment they're still sort of even though the clubs basically okayed it, they, there's
1: still some due mm-hmm. diligence and stuff that needs to go yeah. on. Yeah, but I guess like the league have to uh, the league have to approve it. Yeah, stuff, right?
0: but I'll be interested to see like how hands-on they are with things mm-hmm. or if they're yeah. just going to gonna be kind of like financial backers or things like that. Because, yeah. like, well, I think a lot of it is obviously the fact, like you've mentioned, like the, that they are fan-owned. And mm-hmm. obviously, like, the the supporters trust that runs the club at the moment have been very, like, uh, accepting of this offer and kind of obviously yeah. want it to go through. But I think mm-hmm. the... The wise thing would be for the supporters trust to still carry on with the day to day running of things. And
1: well, I think that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. I think they're not buying 100% of it, they're just buying like a controlling stake, I guess. Yeah. So the yeah. fans are still have like a say in it. But I think, I think that's what's happening anyway. I don't really know. I know that they've not paid anything for the club because it's fan owned. Yeah. So like they, there's nobody to pay, like the club's not worth anything because there's not one owner. Um, So I think the fans have said like, this is how much money we want you to put into the club Mm. rather than like, we want our money. Yeah. Yeah. So Like, I guess it's good in that way.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) obviously like just already kind of straight off the bat, like I think Rexham put, it was either yesterday or today they put something up Mm -hmm. on their Twitter, like their, their club store had like literally like sackfuls of of like <laughs> shirts and stuff to take to like the post yeah. office so it's already yeah, obviously really. already had like an impact which is cool
1: yeah yeah and i was reading earlier like um they're planning on making a netflix series about yes like, yeah uh, and that's like how they're gonna raise money for like to rise through the leagues. yeah because they were saying like if they get an eight an eight episodes run on netflix it gives them like seven million pounds
0: yeah which is nuts like and like this i think there was a quote from their like current like uh director or chief exec or something that basically was like because i think whoever the journalists that found out that the this documentary series was kind of part of them wanting to make this bid like they Mm -hmm. they obviously asked that question of like is this a publicity stunt and things like that and they were like no, well, it might be part and parcel of it, but no, like, and if it is, we're the ones that are benefiting it, because like, yeah. I mean, if you even if you take on a bigger scale, like, Sunderland till I die, there's probably yeah. people all over the world now who know that club because of that series.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. it was, It's the same with the Leeds one as well. Like, I know um, the like the chief executive was really hesitant hes- hesitant mm. to start with. Um because like it was just after the Sundown Until I Die documentary came out. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want to sanction this documentary and for us to be a laughing stock. Mm. Like BLC yeah, so is a massive risk. Um and like I don't want it to backfire, but the, the company that did it were like, Yeah, we we don't want to make you into like a laughing stock. And like we want to do like a serious, a serious documentary. Yeah. It, which worked out really well, but yeah, it's yeah. And I
0: think just one more thing before we kind of move on to the next topic. Um, so a friend of of mine who I'm hoping to get on the show next week, uh, he is actually like a Wrexham fan and he's okay. he's got some affinity with the club. I can't
1: remember exactly what it is. He, do, he doesn't run the supporters club, right? No, no, no. I don't. Because oh, okay. that would have been really weird. I used to work at Awesome Merchandise. Oh, okay. And- it was the year that Geisley got promoted to the Conference Premier. Mm. Um, the Wrexham Supporters Trust put a massive order of T-shirts in. Oh, okay. so like I drew all over like their uh, the order form before we sent it out because I was the screen printer there. <laughs> so like we had, like a receipt that we put in with it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, good luck for the new season from a Geisley fan." So that would have been really weird if that was yeah I, I think
0: he's he's some i can't this is kind of why i'm getting him on because i can't remember exactly his, his but basically he put something on his instagram uh earlier today that um so there's a, a chap who's a, a brexham fan his name's uh aiden scott who i hope i'm not kind of outing him by saying this but it's it's kind of public consumption within rexham community so if anything right. this is going to give it a little boost it I don't know. But he um, he suffers from cerebral palsy. And right. uh, the kind of Wrexham community were putting together like a GoFundMe because he needed like uh, an adapted bath to help with his, his general care and things like that. So they put right. out this GoFundMe page. Uh, the target was £6,000. Um, mm-hmm. And I think within about a, a day or... Oh, here we go. So... About a ten-hour period of of this thing going live, they'd hit the six thousand-pound target. The, that's great. the reason was because Rob McElhenney donated six thousand pounds. <laughs> so, I mean, great, straight it? away they are mm-hmm. proved. Like, not only are they two of the funniest, nicest guys in Hollywood, they're <laughs> yep. they're putting money where their mouth is. So,
1: yeah. Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? and like. Getting the fans on side before you start is such a massive, a massive plus. Yeah, like there must be so many like people that take over football clubs that like anchor the anger the fans instantly. Mm. Like you're a Portsmouth fan, yeah. right? So Portsmouth were fan owned. Yes. Yeah. Is that right? When you we're in League Two, but they're not anymore. Well, yeah. Right?
0: So they're still run by the sport. Uh, so like the Supporters Trust. Chief I exec, have. but the owner is um, oh, I've completely forgot his name now. The <laughs> dude that runs Disney, what the fuck is his name? Walt Disney. No, <laughs> <laughs> not Walt Disney. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name now.
1: Yeah, I but yeah,
0: he's this, he's so. <laughs> he's the guy that like, actually owns the club now. But it's it's okay. a similar thing. Like the Supporters Trust still has a heavy involvement within right. the day-to-day running. So, yeah, it's it's obviously on a larger scale. Um, we're, but sticking kind of with fan-owned in some aspects, but in a slightly different world, and I don't know how we haven't mentioned this team on this podcast yet because they're the most <laughs> punk team ever, um, but St. Pauli, once again, flying the flag for being what football should be, um, so they recently announced that they're, as of kind of effective immediately, severing ties with Under Armour, who are the the organisation that supply their their shirts. Um, and they basically wanted to do it because Under Armour don't use sort of like sustainable materials and things like that. I think they've kind of come under fire as a brand in general just because of like not sweatshop stuff, but like just not being that ethical. So obviously mm-hmm. St. Pauli straight away were like, okay, yeah, we, d- we don't want to be near this whatsoever. Kind of touted around to sort of look at like who they could get to come in for, for next season. Um, couldn't find a viable option that suited their, their ethics. So have basically decided to do everything in-house. So this means from next year, they will have their own sport wear, which will be the producer of their kit. But they're also like, the plan is is to, down the line, is to wheel this out to other clubs. And right. I think this is, again, just St. Pauli kind of showing how you could, like, okay, you can read about the history of St. Pauli. They haven't been the most financial, stable club in the world. And they definitely have their problems in that sphere. But in terms of like, being like equal opportunities, being open to everything, and like just being punk as fuck, like the the brand that they're putting is yeah. even called DIY, which I think is yeah it's is amazing. brilliant. So yeah, I thought this was a really cool touch, and maybe some like again they could be torchbearers. They could be this could be something we see more clubs doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, it's going to be great for their carbon footprint as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like- most, I guess, most sports manufacturers are based, like in Indonesia and India and places like this. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great, and it's it's going to like provide jobs for like local people as well. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, I don't understand why why more clubs haven't done it before. Like, if you can make your own kit in house, it's it's just a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Like you you you're like providing jobs for people in the local community you're more likely to like the people who are in charge of just one kit are more likely to be in touch. Like I said before about like the cultural historical like traditions of the, the club, mm. like, um, like kits the like clubs have traditional kits for a reason. Like it's what people identify with. Yeah. So like if you're having one person who is in charge of that club's kit, they're more likely to know the history behind it. Whereas, like, if you have just some guy that's working for Adidas who's just churning out kits for like 100 clubs, like with the League United kits this season, we have the exact same goalie kit as Leicester. Yeah. yeah. And the away kit is pretty much identical. Like, the third kit, our third kit is digital maroon, I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. Um, and theirs is just maroon. So like they've obviously just like worked down the list, got to L and thought oh, they can have that goalie kit, they can have that away kit. We'll change this a tiny little bit, stick a betting sponsor on it, and churn it out. Mm. Whereas like it's if you have your own person doing it, then it's it's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, and like I think because if like for people that aren't aware of Saint Pauli, then you're probably living under a rock if you're listening to this show. <laughs> but like obviously on a wider scale like they have like obviously their kind of like merchandise brand and, and things like this and this is kind of obviously uh, in my head i'm hoping they kind of tie the two together and yeah. like i think that's kind of part of the long time go. because so for, like from the the interview that this was kind of released from their um their managing director of sales whose name i'm gonna butcher um <laughs> it's bernard von Galdrin, i think um, but he's basically said, like, this is the quote he said. He said, we aren't um, saying this is going to be the most sustainable jersey. Um, it will be the most sustainable team sports collection with more than 55 products. We'll make everything ourselves um, from the socks to rain jackets. We've already shown it can be done without putting prices up if you do things intelligently uh, when we switch to the production for the skull and crossbone shirts to uh, fair trade. So, like, they've obviously already kind of, had the yeah. idea with their merchandising sort of thing mm-hmm. so yeah like i mean in my head i'm hoping that the kit's gonna have a fucking massive skull and on it. <laughs> oh,
1: it definitely is have, have you been to their stadium yeah yeah I'm yeah i've like? been a couple of times did you do the tour where you go like down the tunnel oh, i didn't
0: because it was really annoying right. so cool. the two times i've been is, is mm-hmm. been when i've been out on tour and right because of weird german times they only open during a certain time so when they were open i had to be at the venue for loading and stuff so i couldn't go which which was really annoying
1: luckily we played um booze cruise a few years Mm. ago so there was me and some of the guys from bsm went down and did the tour yeah uh, on the saturday morning like i was ridiculously hungover and was just like (laughs) like just like a, a, a zombie walking around but um, we actually have, like, a really weird story from the first time we played in Hamburg. Oh, okay. Uh, we were on tour with Osteros. Um, and we were playing... Um, what's the big squat there called? Um, oh, don't... With The one with the skate park joined on to Oh, it.
0: shit, yeah, 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 I know, what you mean, but I can't think what it's called now.
1: Rota Flora. That's it, yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we walked from there to the stadium because we got there really early. And we were, like trying to take like a group shot outside. Um, And this guy came up to us um, and was like, do you want me to take a picture for you? And we were like, yeah, sure. And he was like, are you interested in the club? And he was like telling us a bit about it and stuff. Like we just thought he was just like someone that was walking past. And it turned out to be, I can't remember, he worked for the club doing something. Mm. Um, uh, He was like part of the, I want to say branding or something. Um, And he was like, do you want to come in and have a look around? Like, I've got something that you would like really like to see. And we were like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, we're not going to say no for that. So he took us like through the main entrance, um up in this lift and he was like um we've we were sponsored by Levi mm. for the last like, 5 years I think. Um but they weren't doing enough for us um like in the community. So we've asked them to work with another com- like a local company um, and basically they'd made a recording studio inside the stadium. Oh, sick. So like he opened this door and took us into the this recording studio. And like it had like the window looking out onto the pitch and the stuff. And he was like, this is aimed at like, we're going to invite like local people um, and like refugees down and stuff and teach them instruments in here. That's so um, cool. And they can like record their own stuff in here and stuff. So it was yeah, that was that was really really cool. Yeah, just to be able to see that. Like, yeah, we've I think there's a video on our Facebook, like in the depths of it yeah, somewhere yeah. Of, of playing a song, like in the stadium, like just in one of the stands. Like Lucinda just grabbed a guitar and I grabbed a kahong <laughs> and was just sat there, and just like hey, it was crazy. It was wild. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like. That like that stadium just makes me happy. Like you drive, like if, if well, either you walk past or you drive past, and you just see the massive rainbow flag on the outside, yeah. and it's yeah, they do everything and like, right. If you look at the,
1: every other club, every other stadium you go to. There's like the the boarding around the middle of the stadium, yeah, all has like flashing betting signs and like like just like nothing to do with the club at all, mm. just like. As much money as they can get, and like you got to St. Pauli, and down the entire one side of the stadium, it just says no one is illegal. Yeah, yeah. And, like I think on the other side it just says like love is love and stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it's just it's a fantastic place. Yeah, really. I
0: I really want to get to a game there at some point because I've heard as well yeah, like cool. the atmosphere in there when there's a game is just insane. So yeah, one
1: of my friends in Leeds runs um, the Yorkshire St. Pauli group. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like a supporters club they get together to watch all the football mm. um they have like a pass for their tv thing they go to like a few games a year but they also run um a session on a sunday at like a lucas power zone okay uh, it's called football for all um and it's designed at getting like the local refugees in leeds integrated That's into cool. community and stuff so it's i've been down to two or three of their sessions i think mm. and it's just it's so much fun it's great i can't like, remember you don't take it too seriously so like you're not allowed to like be ultra competitive yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's really cheap like if you can afford it it's two pound fifty a person yeah. but if you can't afford it then it's just free that's cool so yeah i can't remember
0: like this just reminding me i can't remember what it's called now um but have you heard of like the the offshoot that Saint pauli have got like the refugees team no, so they've got like it's like a subsidiary kind of thing, but it's it is a team on its own, but it's right. like backed by Saint Pauli, and it's like a refugees right. team. That's great. Yeah, That's so they're they're like yeah. essentially like a non-league team, I think. Right. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's like it's got everything like ethos-wise of Saint Pauli, but it's for refugees, <laughs> which is fucking <laughs> rad. I feel
1: like you could do like I feel like you could do a whole series of podcasts just on just on St. Pauli and how great they oh, are. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, I mean, so th- there's um, there's another podcast called, um, It's I don't know the context of the name, but it's called Fell in Love with a Girl, but it's about right. St. Pauli. This, it's these two Canadians. Okay. Um, and I really <laughs> want to talk to them because, like, one, how the fuck, like, Canadians yeah. found out about St. Pauli, but they've got so much knowledge on the club <laughs> for... for so,
1: yeah, right. like, they're, they're people I want to
0: get
1: on. Just everybody there is so friendly. Though. Yeah. Like I We were trying to go to, um, for my birthday a few years ago, they were playing in Dusseldorf. Okay. Which is like an hour and a half from here, mm. from where I live in Antwerp. Um, and it was on my birthday. Um, I couldn't go to the game in the end because we got the... Um, the support slot for The World is a Beautiful Place. Oh, okay. Uh, that came really, really last minute. Like, they asked us, like, a month before. Um, and I had to leave for that the day of my birthday, so I couldn't go to the game in the end. But I, like, I was in the process of trying to buy tickets. Um, so I emailed the, like, the ticket office. And, like, it was just such a friendly reply that I got back from the people. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it literally just the the reply came from someone's personal email address. Oh, wow. It was just, like, the guy's name at gmail.com. <laughs> like, I would expect me to come back from like the ticket office. Yeah, yeah. And it was like just some just like, emailing me back like, yeah, it's no problem. We can do whatever. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It was like so friendly. I couldn't believe it.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like so far we've kind of only spoken about aspects of football in terms of the clubs and stuff. So we'll talk a little bit about the game itself. Obviously, right. recently we've had like the international break. Um, yeah. The reason I kind of wanted to bring this up, one thing... It's something I didn't highlight to you, but so I'll bring that up in a minute. But was something that has obviously caused a lot of kind of controversy within the Premier League, specifically Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But it's the amount of injuries we're kind of seeing in what's already kind of like yeah, a yeah. manic season. Um, I always hop back to the argument of you're getting, like, and I know a lot of people hate this argument, but like players are getting paid thousands and thousands of pounds. Like, okay, yeah, yeah I get injuries and stuff, but like the whole Oh, there's, I'm playing too much football and I'm getting too much money. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your kind of perspective? Because of, I think, like specifically, with the nations league for team, like team, like nations like England and stuff like that, like the mm-hmm. bigger nations, yeah, it could be seen as, a, especially at the moment, a, an opportunity to play like fringe players and and things like that, yeah. mm-hmm. rather than risking like obviously the the big one that's core of the ho- Headlines is the Joe Gomez injury.
1: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: What's your kind of perspective on,
1: on things at the moment? There's, like, there's, there's two ways of thinking about it, really, isn't there? Like, you've got, if you take, like, basketball or ice hockey, mm. as an example, like, they play, like, every other day. Yeah. Even, like, uh, baseball as well. Like, American sports, apart from NFL, is, like, like pretty much nonstop. And I know, like, they have a lot more, like, rolling subs. yeah. So like you can change the team up and stuff, but like they play a lot. Yeah. yeah, They play a lot, but then you have the argument of like, you get paid a lot of money to do it, but their bodies are used to a certain amount of work. Yeah. And like, if they suddenly do like, if you've had like a career of like 10 years or whatever, and you're suddenly asked to do more, then your body is going to go into shock around that. Right. Like it's just not going to be out of coke. And like, that's, like, this season, there has been way more injuries than usual, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw the other day there's, like, 88 players in the Premier League that are currently out-injured.
3: Mm.
1: Someone posted on Twitter, like, this big list of all the, like, and how long they're all out for. Um, and, yeah, it's it just it seems to be every time that the international break happens. Like, we have – so we've got Liam Cooper out-injured at the moment. He was injured the last two Scottish – uh, international breaks. Yeah. So he like, went away and he was fine and then got injured on the last two of them. Um, we signed a player called Diego Lorente uh, in the summer and he got injured on the first Spanish international break and he hasn't been back since. Like He pulled his hamstring or something and he's been out for like six mm-hmm. weeks. Um, Calvin Phillips has missed all three England games and the two games that we had before because he's dislocated his shoulder I think, which is probably Like, that happens. That's nothing to do with... But, like, the amount of, like, tears and muscle strains and, like, stuff like that does seem to be way more this season. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's probably, like, the players have had no break. Like, usually you get, like, a six to eight-week preseason. Yeah. Like, last season they had three months off and then came pretty much straight back. I think they had, like, three weeks where they were expected to get back up to speed. And then they had four weeks off again. Whereas usually you would have eight weeks off. Yeah. yeah. So like they're coming straight back in from like the last 10 games of last season, like no break straight into a new season where they're seemingly trying to cram as many games in as possible. Like, why international friendlies have to exist at the moment?
0: Well, it's so that was ridiculous. that was going to be my my point is that like yeah. the argument of this season specifically because of everything that's obviously everything's been condensed, but like yeah. uh, could they have put like the nations league and international friendlies on pause for a season? I know like obviously we've got the Euros in the summer,
1: but Euro twenty twenty in <laughs> two thousand and twenty one,
0: <yeah>. but like. <laughs> I don't know. like, And I understand, obviously, Southgate, for instance, for us for in England, mm. needs to work out his team and so on and so forth. Yeah. But there's that element of, like, does it need to happen whilst the season's running? No.
1: Nah. No, nah, it doesn't, does yeah. it? Like, I, I can understand... I understand why they're doing the Nations League because they already have all the sponsors and stuff for mm. it. Um, and it's it'll lose UEFA money, which is apparently the most important thing in all of this yeah. but like friendlies just seem ridiculous because like it's literally pointless yeah like nobody cares i haven't watched any of the internationals this break no like i didn't even know england were playing against Ireland the other day <laughs> and like usually usually like i would have watched that because like it's two home nations playing against each other like it's it's an interesting thing to watch yeah, like, yeah. there's a bit of rivalry there like it's, it's a fun thing to do, but, like, just at the moment, I just have no appetite for it. Like, watching football in empty stadiums is bad enough if I care about the teams. Yeah. But if it's just, like, a meaningless friendly, then, nah, yeah. nah I can pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side of, of things, like, this is the, po- the point I wanted to bring up. Like, the Nations League specifically does have some benefits in terms of, like, oh, yeah, the, the minor countries. And, obviously, mm-hmm. just uh, yesterday the Faroe Islands got promoted from their group to the next sort of tier up. Yeah. And I, I think uh-huh. that's the one thing it does benefit is it gives these smaller nations the chance to like, like, yeah, like they celebrated yeah. that, like they'd won the world cup sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, they've, had, they'd never won a game, right? So or something like that. Yeah. Or oh, they never, they never, or was it San Marino who have drawn two in a row after never winning a yeah, game? Well,
0: no, they've, they drew, I think they had two nil nils and it's the first time they've yeah. ever kept consecutive clean sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's good, isn't it? Like I can understand like yeah, like I said like I can understand the nations league being a thing. Mm. It does seem a bit pointless. Um but yeah, you can kind of understand why they've done it. And like a positive for fans is like we have two, maybe three years of continuous football to watch. Yeah. You don't have that horrible like two month gap in the summer. Where like you're waiting from one season to finish to the new one to start because we've got the Euros next summer. Yeah. Then you're either going to have like a short pre-season or extended season because the World Cup is a winter World Cup mm. at the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah. So like they're going to have to adjust the season for that. So like the pl- it's bad because the players aren't going to get a break until like two thousand and twenty three. Yeah, yeah. We get constant. <laughs> you get concept
0: football yeah. so it's going to be great <laughs> just on the the World Cup obviously I'm not sure how much you're kind of keeping up to it but I remember seeing this thing on Twitter uh, so Qatar had a friendly against what was yeah was it was I can't remember if it was a friendly but it was against someone um, and somebody put out the tweet it was like wondering how the Qatar national team are getting on in preparation for the World Cup and it was just a highlight of this mm-hmm. goal that they conceded and it, I'll, if I can find it, I'll put it in the episode notes. But it's just an yeah. absolute calamity of errors. Like, the <laughs> defender tried to back pass it to the goalkeeper. The keeper didn't come out. The pla- I
1: think I've actually seen this yeah, video. It was great. The player so then funny.
0: squared it to the guy to score an open goal. And the whole guitar team had just stood there, like, expecting him to be offside or something. It's just it's just <laughs> awful. Yep. Uh-huh. But yeah. And... Um, before we kind of move on, obviously, with this next section, I do want to give a quick sort of trigger warning. So the next little bit of section, we're going to be talking about uh, sort of mental health and potentially a bit of suicide. So if this is something you don't want to talk about, please skip forward for the next minute or so. But it's a discussion that I think is important to have. Um, but this is the story that's been ongoing for a little bit. It's about um, the the sad passing of uh, Jeremy Watson, who was a Man City Academy player. The reason I kind of bring this up is because they recently, uh, well, they officially opened the inquest into his death. And I think when it kind of came about, there was a lot of talk about the relationship between him and the club and things like that. And the the main reason I want to, I don't want to really dwell on the circumstances, but it's more the, the support that young players have. And I think from both of us coming from punk backgrounds we see a lot in punk where especially nowadays where people talk openly about their their mental health issues and things like that and there seems to be a lot more kind of support for it within that community but we don't hear a lot about it in football so i don't know like do we need to see more like charities or activist groups within the world of football to help these younger players?
1: I don't really know, like I think I think people just need to talk about it more. Like it still seems like a really taboo subject yeah. within like football. Like you have players or like kids that are joining football clubs at like 7 mm. or 8 years old and spending like 10 years at a club and like it's normally like their local team or like yeah. their hometown team and like they get paid ridiculous amounts of money from like a young age. Um, I had a friend who his younger brother was on, uh, who had a, like a scholarship at City, mm. and, um, when he was like 15, 16 years old, probably 16, he was earning more than my friend who was a bar manager at the time. Oh
0: Wow.
1: And he was like, he was earning like maybe five or six grand a week and like he had free accommodation for when he needed to stay over in Manchester because his family still lived in Bradford mm. um and yeah it was just crazy and like he never he he got dropped by man city ended up at swansea and now plays for the new saints i think okay um but yeah it was like he was he was with man city for like 5 or 6 years and like people like kids like that who have like spent like so much of their childhood at clubs like this and just get let go. Mm. And it takes like 10, 15 minutes. You just get called into a room and they're just like, yeah, you're not good enough. So yeah. yeah. It it seems like the entire time that they're at a club, they're getting told by like the managers or like their agents and stuff. Like, yeah, you're really good. Like you're definitely good enough to make it. Like they big them up all the time. Mm. Um, And there doesn't seem to be much in the way of like, this might not happen. Like you need to think of alternatives or like, you need to think of what will happen if you don't make it. They're always like, yeah, you're going to be like the next big thing. Like you're definitely going to make it. And then like, they get it taken away from you yeah. instantly. And
0: I think like uh, as well, I'd be interested to to hear or see if clubs have any kind of, um like not relief, like that's the wrong word. But like support structure within the clubs like when those kind of things occur mm-hmm. because like yeah. as you say that if you're like what between between the ages of 16 and 18 you're mm-hmm. you're training an academy for as you say most nine times out of 10 it's like your childhood home club sort yeah. of thing mm-hmm. so like to get that news of like essentially them saying yeah you're not good enough it's yeah. going to be devastating so like you mm-hmm. feel like you need that co- kind of like person afterwards to to kind of almost just sort of like sit down with them and be like yeah okay the, kind of like an, a bit of an exit strategy i know that's a horrible term yeah. to use but yeah but i think that i don't know I because you don't hear if that exists at clubs or not
1: i know it's come out since since this has happened that man city have uh, like an aftercare um like structure set up hmm. um But from what I understand, that's just like somebody rings the kid once a week for six weeks or six months after they leave. Just check in with them and see what's happening. But like, I feel like there's so much more that they could do. Like they could could be educating the kids while they're coming through for like coaching and like other roles within the club where like it gets to the end of like scholarship when their contract runs out and they could be like we don't think you're good enough for the first team but there's probably a role for you here or we think that you could go into this Mm. like something that you could look at um and like yeah it just it seems like disgusting to me that clubs are allowed to sign young players with no intention of them ever playing in the first team. yeah like because scouts know if you're going to be good enough or not. Like you always hear from clubs, like there's this one player who's like special. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely going to make it, but like they're signing so many other players, either on the off chance that they develop or like knowing full well, that they're not good enough. Yeah. they are still going to be saying the same things to them and making them believe like, even by just being at the club, like you're like, yeah, I'm going to be good enough. Mm. Whereas they know all the time that you're probably not going to, Yeah, be good enough for them so yeah it's and it's
0: interesting like obviously this this story kind of has highlighted the the issue a bit more but I think so there's a another podcast I listen to called Football Journeys and um, they've specifically focused on um, I can't remember what year it is but it's like this academy graduate class from from Liverpool and it's it's basically the 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 year group that Joe Gomez kind of game came from. Okay, um, right. And it's basically saying, like, there's all these players that kind of had all the potential in the world, but nine out of ten of them sort of thing haven't... That Well, they're not playing for Liverpool 1 to start with and have yeah. either kind of given up on football or have had to, like, scrap mm-hmm. it out in the lower leagues. And yeah. it's interesting to kind of hear, like, their stories from, like, a personal perspective... And I I feel really bad because I can't remember the specific player's name, but there was one player who basically he was put out on loan to Wigan. Right. Um but because obviously he had that mentality of like I'm playing I'm still contracted to my childhood club and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like he just had such like blinkered mentality of like, no, nope, I'm going to play for Liverpool. And I think mm-hmm. because somebody had even said to him like oh, you're the next Steven Gerrard. So straight away, like that's put that thing in his head.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And it's exactly the same with all of the, like the Chelsea players. So Chelsea send a lot of players out on loan. Mm. Um, and we've had a few Chelsea Lundies, um at Leeds when we were in the championship. Yeah. And like the majority of them just came to the club with like the, the, the attitude of like, I'm just here for a year. Yeah like, I don't have to try. Like, they didn't really have, like, the, the desire because they just assumed that they were going to go back to Chelsea at the end of their loan mm. and, like, break into the first team. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know if, because, like, I guess another big point of their, like, the mentality thing is it's the difference between, like, mentality and mental health. Like, it feels like players aren't allowed like you can't have a bad day yeah or like there was there's a, I, I was listening to an interview from someone i can't remember who it was but they were saying like um they had a like a, a psychologist at the club mm. um but they didn't feel like they could go to see them because it would be like a sign of weakness yeah and it would like in their it, it's not it's it might not be the case but in their mind it would give the manager a reason not to pick them because they don't have the right mental attitude or the right, like, determination, Yeah. where it's actually nothing to do with that. Like you can't, you can't be a hundred percent all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, a, a, a player, even if you're like physically there, like you can be mentally worn out, mm. which I, I guess goes back to the injuries thing as well. Yeah. Like if you have to be like a hundred percent focused all the time and you're playing like three games a week, like that's just going to wear you down. Mm. Right you're not allowed to make a mistake. And if you make a mistake, you're never going to play for this club. Yeah. And I think that's like,
0: that's an interesting point actually. Cause like from, a, even like from the, like a fan perspective, like that kind of mental sort of like wear and tear, so to say, mm-hmm. like where yeah. they are playing all these games and whatever, like, and uh, I'll hold my hands up. Like, where well, I kind of did it with, on this podcast recently, like the mm-hmm. um, Adam Ola-Lukman podcast, Penalty, like penalty fluff. Like yeah. your you, your instant reaction as a fan is to be like, "That was ridiculous." But yeah. like now, looking, like, thinking in hindsight, you don't know what his mental state was and and things like that. And yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And because, but like on the other side of it is, you're a fan and you don't get paid anywhere near the same amount of money as no. Them. But so you're you're allowed that opinion as well. But it's like they're both very valid. Yeah, points.
0: but the, the what I was gonna say is like. Because like the fans and like the accessibility of things like like Twitter mm-hmm. and stuff now, like yeah. they're gonna like players are gonna get like hounded for that, so that's obviously going to impact yeah. them mm-hmm. and, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah.
1: th- and like who can who can say that they haven't gone to work and like not been not been there, yeah. not being hundred like completely there and like everybody has shit days yeah. where they're just like oh, they don't want to be here, they can't be asked, or like not even that, just like you're just not you're not there yeah like I work in I work in a coffee shop here mm. and like there's times where I'm like ah oh, this latte art isn't perfect <laughs> yeah. like I, I dropped a little bit here but I'm still going to put it out anyway whereas if you're like a kid at a football club you can't do that yeah yeah because like someone might see it and be like well he's not good enough to play like he has a mistake in him like he's not good enough to play in the Premier League
0: mm.
1: and also like one well, mistake so the amount of stress and the amount of pressure they must be under yeah it's just it's crazy
0: and just to kind of relate it back to sort of like punk and things like that obviously like i think we've i've obviously mentioned about like how people are speaking about it more openly but like even like from just like a close circle of like support network like the whole sort of like reaching out to friends and sort of like checking in with things like that like i'd be interested to see if like like we've kind of even seen it like on a broader scale with like players like being afraid to like come out if they're gay or, or bisexual or whatever and it's that kind of say that mentality of like not showing any weakness so I'd be interested to see if there are friendship groups within clubs that they can talk about this I don't I don't know
1: it's it's also the fact that like clubs seem to want to like isolate kids from like isolate them in the club. Mm. So like they don't let kids play like Sunday league football or play football with their friends. And that's been a case, even like when I was playing football as a kid, like if any of my friends had trials at like Leeds United or Bradford or anything, then like they instantly weren't allowed to play with yeah. us. Um, and like, if you're training, like you get taken out of school to do it. I know they try and like limit that now, but like their entire world is based around playing football and developing as a footballer. Yeah. So like they don't really have a support network outside of football. Like a lot of the times, like there's, there was a kid who signed for Leeds this summer who was at Motherwell last year. So like all of his family were in Motherwell mm. and he's like a 16 year old kid and he's moved down to Leeds with his dad. Um, so like he's away from his family and stuff. Um, and like the only support network he has, is the kids that he's playing football yeah, with Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like it's good because it's it makes them like a team unit but you can also look at it as like they are competitors and they're all competing against each other because like not everybody makes it yeah so like you have to show like if you show any sign of weakness then it's like pounced upon i guess and like used against you mm. why are rob and i pitching a north Whalian trailer manufacturer well because we just became owners of wrexham association football club and they're our team sponsor you may have never heard of wrexham the racecourse ground or Evo Williams.
0: so it's yeah fun. um the next sort of like thing that we always like to talk about on this show is we always kind of like to shine a light on either like non-league teams or lesser known teams um One you've kind of been mentioning a a few times already on this show is obviously Geisley. So, what's your, what's obviously you've mentioned going to to games and stuff, but what's your affinity with Geisley? Like, how did you kind of become entwined with them?
1: Uh, I am from Geisley originally. Okay. My parents live about a two minute walk from the ground. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they literally live like around the corner from it. So, when we were kids, like, I, I think. Before the age of like 19, I'd been to three Leeds games. Yeah. Um, but if guys that were playing on a weekend, me and my friends that lived on the same street as me would literally just walk around to the ground and pay like a pound to get in. Yeah. And like it was, we were in an even lower league. I think we were like in the eighth tier. Mm. And I remember going with some of my friends who went to the school down the road and like their PE teacher was just playing up front. <laughs> he was like the striker. <laughs> um, but like we were all like, eight, nine years old, like, in the little wooden stands. Yeah, yeah. Like, making up stupid chants for, like, their PE teacher and Brilliant. stuff. Um, and, yes, and, like, Leeds United played Geisele pretty much every single year as, like, a pre-season program. Yeah, yeah. So we started going down to that. And then when I got a little bit older, we used to start going to, uh, like, the first round of the FA Cup when they got through to that. Um, like, a really weird fact about Geisele is – they were the longest running club to never have got past the first round of the FA Cup oh, really? <laughs> up, until, yeah. up until two seasons ago when we finally got to the second round. Um, but yeah, so it was, yeah, it was that. Yeah. that, And then a few years after that uh, we were doing really well in the conference North. So I started going to like most of the home games. Mm. Uh, we went to, They played Ultringham away in the playoff final, the most heartbreaking game of football I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, We were we were playing really well that day. Um, Like the club offered free coaches, so they took like six coaches. Oh wow, that's cool! It was crazy because it was like it was a pretty big. Ultringham got a pretty big ground. There was like two thousand. Geisley fans there, which is like the majority of Geisley. <laughs> yeah. Like I know like a load of like Leeds fans and stuff came down because quite a lot of Leeds fans, Geisley is their second club. Yeah, yeah. Or like non-league clubs. So there was like a lot of like people who don't usually go watch Geisley there. And it was like a free trip to a playoff final, so it was fun. Um, but there was like a group of ten mates that came down with me mm. and it was one all in extra time, and it was literally like the hundred and twenty second minute and they brought a sub on Alteringham and he literally like picked the ball up on the halfway line and just pinged it in.
0: Oh no.
1: <laughs> and this just there's this really there's this horrible picture of like all of the Alteringham players like in a massive heap. Every single Geisley player like spread out on the pitch, like on the back, and like just two thousand people behind the goal just with their head in yeah, their hands. Yeah. Um and then we got to the playoff final again next year. And again, that was away. So we went to Chorley, yeah. And we were two-nil down within 25 minutes, oh, I think. God. And I had the, sing- the single worst hangover I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Like I was, I was sick on the coach on the way there. I felt like death. And my mate bought me like a Tia Maria shot. Oh before God. We went. <laughs> We got dropped off at a pub. He was like, this will sort you out. It didn't. It definitely <laughs> didn't. But then we bought some Boon from nice. uh, from the offline. And managed to sneak that in. And I remember being so annoyed when the second goal went in. I turned around and threw my can of beer at the wall. And my mate was like, oh, let's just go back to the pub. This is this is awful. And I was like, no, we, we'll, we'll, we've paid to get in. Let's just stay and watch the second half. It might get a little bit better. And we ended up winning 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably, like, doing the worst memory. It's probably one of my favourite memories of all time. Yeah. Like, this little, little terraced away end, and, like, everybody just, like, piling to the front, and, like, there was, like, a little wall at the front, and, like, everybody just, like, fell over the wall, and, like, all the players, like, piled yeah, on top. Yeah, yeah. It, it was great. It was so much fun.
0: It's uh, funny that you mentioned, because, like, my only kind of, like, interaction with them is, is the FA Cup and obviously like yeah. they weird I didn't obviously I didn't know that thing about the first round but they're mm-hmm. always one of those non-league teams that get there so they obviously have like an appetite for it sort of thing
1: yeah and like we're, we're, we're like a half decent team mm. like we always knew from when I've started going we've never finished I know we struggled the season before last because after we got relegated from the conference there was a lot of like hangover from that like the the we had a joint management team and they were awful um like really really bad awful football they didn't really know what was going on mm. um and they kind of lasted like quarter of a season maybe half a season before getting sacked um but yeah ever since then we've we've been putting in like consistently like decent performances we missed out on the playoffs because they finished the season early last year and i think we were like Six points outside the playoffs yeah. when it finished, um, but yeah, so it's it's always good fun. And like the the two two three three seasons we had in the Conference Premier, so much fun. Yeah, like, I did some horrible away days. <laughs> like we came down and went to Bromley, Woking, and Wood. Yeah, yeah. I I really wanted to do talkie, but I just couldn't do it. Like. <laughs> Setting off at like 6am in the morning to come all the way down. I think we ended up losing like 4-0. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just couldn't do that. But <laughs> Fair enough. London, London was okay. That wasn't too bad. So,
0: <laughs> do, you, do you still sort of like eat tabs on, on them now?
1: Yeah, he's it's, it's been a lot easier this season because they've been doing free streams right. of the game. Um, and like I always try and get to at least one game a season. I didn't go last year um, because I didn't expect it to finish so soon. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I've lived here for three years now. and I think I still go back. I think I went to three games the year before. Um, it's a bit weird though because I fell out with quite a lot of people that I went to the games with. Mm. It turned out to be very horrible people. Oh, okay, so not not the kind of people I wanted to be hanging around. Yeah, with, so. that's fair enough. Yeah, they managed to keep that one very quiet for about six to eight months, and then. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go down very well. <laughs> we, had lot, we had a lot of arguments at the stadium. Oh and, shit. Uh, yeah. Using, using language that definitely wasn't appropriate. Yeah. This day and age. Fair. And like thinking it was funny. And like they could tell that I was really annoyed with it and did it even more because oh, they could tell that God. I was with it. like one of the guys who I used to go with was like a really big League United fan in the 80s and like just kept constantly posting pictures of himself from the 80s like doing nazi salutes oh. and stuff like, in his Leeds shirt at leeds games and stuff and i was like why am i like hanging about with these people yeah yeah like not the kind of people that i, I like so it's uh yeah but i don't mind go- I, I like going to games by myself yeah
0: so. i know i've, I I I've been to a few games for myself and i think Yeah, it's it's quite nice in some
1: aspects. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right, exactly. (laughs) Um, But
0: obviously, also like you mentioned, obviously like you now live in Belgium, and obviously they're well nationally they're considered the best team in the world by FIFA. But like, have you have you had the opportunity to to watch much Belgian football? Have you have you gone to many games? Or
1: I've been to a few games. I don't usually watch it outside of going to games Mm. because. Can be quite frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's not uh, the 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 level of football is varies quite a lot between like the top of the Premier League and the bottom of their league. Yeah, um, like Anderlecht, Bruges, like the the big top four are like Championship level, and then like you go further down and it's like conference and all levels, <laughs> if that like, some of the teams are all volatile. some of them are so so bad um but yeah so I've, I've been to a few royal antwerp games
3: yeah
1: they're a really cool they're a really cool team um was on like having like the english atmosphere yeah and they were they were originally founded by two english people oh i didn't so, realize that yeah so a lot of their like a lot of their chants and stuff are all in english which is really good mm. And up until this season, they had, like, the entire side of one of their pitches was, I think the stand was from, like, the 20s. Oh, it wow. It was literally just a, a, a hill with, like, boards, <laughs> like, in the in the uh, and, like, you, you you can go drink there. Like, you can just drink a Jupiler yeah. and watch the game. Like, the first season that I lived here... Um, fireworks and flashbangs and flares were all still allowed yeah and i went to the first game i went to was antwerp versus ghent and the atmosphere was scary yeah like flashbangs and fireworks going off like three people away from you is so loud. Yeah. <laughs> it <was> so dangerous <laughs> like i didn't realize that was going to be it and i was literally sat there like shaking every single time like something happened yeah it was terrifying but, yeah, it's, uh, that's a really good atmosphere. But they're really, really difficult to get tickets for. So uh, I've been to see a team called and beverden mm. quite a lot, who mm. are, like, one of the worst teams in the league. Like, they're, like, 18th, 17th, 16th. There's only 18 teams. Yeah. So they're constantly, like, at the bottom. It's a really nice club. Like, their stadium is in the middle of this, like, housing estate in a really tiny, like... I want to say, is there like an equivalent of a really, really small town or a really big village? Like it's slightly too small to be a town.
3: Okay.
1: It's like really, really small. And, yeah, and they have like a Premier League team, um, and it's like Nestle housing estate, and like you just like you're walking like past people's gardens and stuff, and you're like, oh, this is the stadium. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's. it's I think it's 10 euros a ticket yeah it's really really and it never sells out and again like behind the goal is just like an old school terrace there's no seats or anything and you're allowed to drink you can buy like a big litre beer and stand there and it's great Mm. great fun
0: well (laughs) we'll touch one i'm gonna but how do you pronounce the name
1: uh, Wasland Bivenham. Yeah, I thought I'd leave yeah. it
0: to you rather than me butchering it.
1: Yeah, but... I mean, I've probably butchered <laughs> it as well, so it's, uh, yeah.
0: But obviously, like, when you kind of mentioned them, I sort of, like, looked a little bit into them. And as you say, like, looking at the history, they are one of these teams that's always kind of near the bottom. Um yeah. But I wanted to bring up this point of what happened to them this last season. Are you... Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get you to try and explain it. But for people, I found an article which is similar to like the notes you sent me as well. But the way the Belgian league works is fucking confusing.
1: It's ridiculous, right? So I'm going to
0: put that link in the description notes so people can follow Mm -hmm. this along. But basically, they've got this weird kind of like playoff system that equates (laughs) to like the people that go to the Champions League and Europa League, but also the ones that get relegated and promoted. Mm-hmm. But because of coronavirus, the last season got obviously cut short.
1: It's also really stupid because it got cut off one game before yeah. the end of the normal season, yeah, so it was like one game,
0: and basically, yeah. um this team needed to like to win to basically stay up. but because this one mm-hmm. game got cancelled, they therefore got essentially got relegated, yep. and they took legal action, which I thought was yeah. really fucking cool, like. They didn't yep. lay down ta- and take it. They fucking fought back. And yep. because of that, that's now the reason there's... Eight- Is that why there's 18 teams now? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. yeah. So there, there was, last season, there were 16. And um, Shot, w- who were another Antwerp team, um, won their playoff game. So they were meant to go up. And Beveren were meant to get relegated. Um, but because... Beveren took the Belgian FA to court. The Belgian FA, like the Belgian FA fought it as well, yeah. but then eventually lost. So they said, we can't have 17 teams in the league because it's an uneven number. So they then had to promote Leuven as well, who lost the playoff final. Mm. So there was two teams that got promoted from the second league, and then one team that got relegated. No, no teams got relegated, sorry. So they went from 16 teams to 18 teams. And then I think the second league now has six teams instead of eight teams, <laughs> and then they're going to relegate two people this year, and then there's a playoff game. <sighs> Belgium just likes to make things really awkward in every possible way. Yeah, level, so. and as I say, like
0: honestly, I don't think us trying to explain it is going to do any justice. So
1: <laughs> it's just going to be me saying a lot of words <laughs> in a certain order that make absolutely no sense. So,
0: but like just but Purely because, obviously, like I think the punk nature in me really enjoyed this story because it is that kind of that like shitty underdog not wanting to do what the authority wants them to do. (laughs) So I really
1: liked it, and especially because like so many other teams got fucked over as well, like Hearts in Scotland, they finished their season and they just got relegated, and there was a team in the Netherlands as well who won their league by 25 points or something daft and they'd already got promotion yeah but cuz the the first league hadn't finished the the team who finished bottom who were like 25 points away from safety they decided not to relegate anybody from that league because the league didn't finish yeah so this team who won the league by like a ridiculous amount didn't get promoted so it's yeah it's it's the, the and were very Belgian about it. And they were just like, no, nope, <laughs> yeah. that's not happening. Like Mechelen did the same thing the year before they got accused of match fixing. Oh, okay. Uh, and they were like, the Belgian FA were like, you're not getting promoted. And Mechelen were just like, yeah, we are. We're going to take you to court. <laughs> and again, they, they overturned it and they were like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. They have to get promoted.
0: I say, it's so a moral of the story is if you're not happy with the result, take the Belgian FA to court.
1: That's pretty much <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> cool. Van Ouzou, die wou anticiperen. Yes, Andy, Andy! Prima inspanning, dat wil. En er is een kans op de 1-4. En de 1-4 gaat er ook in. Door Daniel
0: Sinani. Right. So, we're nearing the end of the show, so everyone that's a regular listener will know that means our Fantasy eleven time um, where we bring musicians, band members, man, band people, onto the onto <laughs> the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. How I always like to start. You may or may not have one, but do you have a team, uh, a name for your team, Connor?
1: I do. Yeah, we're called the Widows of Bielsa. Oh, I like it. Ooh. I like it. Yeah, it's like uh, I forgot to mention it earlier when we were when we were talking about Bielsa. Uh, the 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 fans of Teams that he's managed at uh, referred to as the widows of Bielsa. Oh, okay. Because like, people love him so much, they have like such a connection with him, and then he leaves. Yeah, yeah. And then, like state you know, of mourning after that. So <laughs>
0: that's cool. The
1: widows of Bielsa. Yeah.
0: Cool. <laughs> have you got a formation?
1: Yeah, it's three-three-one-three. Uh, three, three. Nice. Built, uh, Bielsa, famous, famous, uh, famous formation. Cool,
0: right. Yeah. So we always start in goal. So who's your goalkeeper?
1: Yeah. So my goalkeeper is myself okay I used to play in, play net when I was uh, when I was younger so it's a perfect role for a drummer oh, it's just,
0: you've proven the theory because everyone so far <laughs> picks a, a drummer
1: as a goalkeeper so yeah yeah so uh, yeah I'm going for like a player manager role nice
0: nice I like it Captain, of the max,
1: overseeing everything yeah um, the defense so I've got like a right center back a center back and a left center yeah. back We've got uh, M from Nervous. Yeah. So uh, we played football together in Italy when we were on tour. She's got a mean slide tackle.
0: Why <laughs> does that not surprise me?
1: <laughs> There's a picture on our Instagram or their Instagram of like, we tried to make like a really funny picture from like Euro Italia 90, where like someone's like slide tackling in and like someone's in the bench like pointing Yeah. Really great. So you should, you should look for yeah. that. Um, center back is Tasha from the brand Proper oh, okay, from cool. New York um, we went to a Leeds game together a few seasons ago with uh, her and a partner um, and we actually played football together in Brooklyn oh nice uh, yeah she was a rock at the back so getting that. the uh, left center back we've got Steve the drummer from World is a Beautiful Place cool. uh, he's probably the best drummer I've ever played with yeah and he's like He's got enough flair to be able to run out from defence into the midfield and make things happen from there. Yeah. Spray things about. So uh, we've got a right wing back and a left wing back.
2: Yeah.
1: So uh, a European flair on the wing. We've got Bert from the band New Moon. Okay. Who are also from Antwerp. Yeah. Uh, um, and Catherine from Fresh. Nice. So I know they're both runners. <laughs> so they've got some. Got,
0: got some speed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Defensive mid. We've got Simon from Apologies I Have None. Yeah. Um, Studio Wiz holding it down at the back, <laughs> playing the quarterback role. <laughs> Spring passes, getting attacks going. Uh, number 10, we've got Lucinda from My Band and Nervous. Nice. Uh, always ready to attack. They've uh, got creative vision.
0: I was gonna say I like the I think the yeah, I think Lucinda would be I'm kinda trying to think like not quite a gazer, but like uh <laughs> Maybe like a more like I'm thinking more from my like, like Pompey years, like a Paul Merson kind of role is like they'll okay, you know, yeah. they'll stand there in that number ten role and just sort of flick passes left and right. Sort yeah. of thing.
1: They they see passes that nobody else yeah. can see. Yeah. Like screw balls, everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then left wing, uh yeah, left attacking wing, we've got Jack from Nervous. Yeah. It's solid, nine out of ten every game, super well drilled, be also ready. <laughs> like he knows exactly what's happening. Uh right wing there. Right wing. Uh, I was gonna put Jamie from uh from the winter passing. Yeah. But he's a manual man fan, so I'm not allowed to put him. <laughs> so I kicked him out and decided to go with Rob instead. <laughs>
0: I really hope that they hear this because <laughs> yeah, <like, I> <laughs> one Rob Rob's a pal, but two just for that that yeah. comment. So.
1: <laughs> I couldn't have a scum fan in here yeah. could I so <laughs> And then centre forward, I've got Kate from Personal Best. Yeah. Because if you've heard their guitar solos, oh, that's a, that's a centre forward in musical yeah. form right there. Nice. Yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah, that's my team. Well, as you, you go. as you
0: said, you're going to be player manager, but have you got anyone assisting you, or are you taking taking reins completely?
1: Oh, I'm taking full credit for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as many roles as possible for Perfect. me. Brilliant. As as
0: always i think a cra- like and also this is only the second team where we've had a cross of sort of uh like men women trans everything uh-huh. which i think yeah. we haven't seen yet so i appreciate you bringing bringing a lot of diversity yeah. to your squad
1: <laughs> there we go it's nothing perfect brilliant and <laughs> um, a very belgian very belgian saying there uh, for me to end on thanks <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, perfect Connor do you want to shout out where people can find you slash your band on social medias or whatever if they want to yeah so
1: you it? can find the band on Cult Dreams band on pretty much everything uh, Instagram and Twitter mine is Cult Drums which is very, uh, very on brand <laughs> yeah we just brought some new merch out which we were meant to take on tour with La Dispute but it got cancelled so please buy that so we can afford to record album three <laughs> Perfect. There we go, I did it. I got the I got the plug in.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Connor, thank you very much for your time mate. Really yeah, appreciate, it. Much, appreciate
1: it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.